Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Careers Mayor podcast. With me, Jacob, and with my colleague, Jordan, we get a different guest on every week, and we talk about what they've done in the past, what they wanted to do when they grew up, what they currently do, and then at the end, we design them their dream job. I'm here with Mr. Jordan Andrews, my esteemed co-interviewer. How are you doing, I'm Jordan? I'm good, mate. I'm very, very good. Work's been good. Obviously, we've had a nice bit of weather recently, which has been lovely. And I'm just excited to get stuck in to this episode, chatting to a special boy, a nuclear boy. A nuclear man? A nuclear man. Once a nuclear boy, now a nuclear man. They say that, don't they, Jacob? They There's a saying, isn't there? Uh, twice a nuclear baby, once a nuclear man. And then you climb the nuclear hill to the nuclear retirement home, and then you shuffle off the nuclear coil. And then you go to that big nuclear factory in the sky. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to talk to Harry, because if there was one thing that was really missing from the first episode of the podcast sorry charlie it was the middle of some atoms it was it was but i'm just so happy that now we get to find out about the middle of some atoms we get to well we get to talk to someone who's who's full of them who's packed to the brim with atoms and he knows about all of them as well he knows about all of them are you sure he know he he told me he could name every atom in his body oh. and I'd have to take his word for it. Actually, Jordan, before we get started, I think we should both say what our favourite atom is. I'll go first. I really like the atom that is at the exact centre of Susan Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> What do you think? I really like the atomic kitten. Ah. That's my favourite atom. So we've both gone down a musical route then. I think that says a lot about us, is that we have music in the soul? Yeah, yeah. Songs in the key of life is, uh, is, what, is what flows through us. They, did they, did, that, was that one of theirs? Atomic Kitten, did they do Songs in the Key of Life? <laughs> yeah, that was their seminal album, actually, was Songs in the Key of Life. Can you name the members of Atomic Kitten? Um, well, Kerry Katona. I was don't know the it? others. Yeah, Kerry okay. Katona was in it. Yeah, I don't know the others. Because I would have thought that logically they would be the atomic kittens, but they're not, <laughs> are they? And actually, I'm really undermining myself because when I tried to think of another band apart from the Spice Girls, I thought of Destiny's Child, but that's obviously also in the singular. Yeah. So... But then you've got the Saturdays. Do you? Who are they? Yeah. The Saturdays. They're, they were, um, they're a pop group. I want to say like... 2010s start of 2010s mm, i've um, heard of them they had Fra frankie bridge um she was the lead singer had the short sort of pixie cut and i well fancied her when i was younger and um, now you're married and uh, yeah and i can't believe it worked out and i got to marry every single atom in her body <laughs> and, and and the vicar had to name them all i request i i demanded that he did well for those of you struggling <laughs> to picture that scene we're about to have a similar scene coming up now with harry so get strapped in for some atom naming as we welcome harry stevenson
welcome, Harry, to the Careers Mayor podcast. We're going to go, of course, through what you do currently and what your dream job is. But we're going to start, as we often do, by asking, what was your first ever job? Well, I guess on a technicality, my first ever job would be volunteering in a charity shop, which I needed to get into a, a part of like doing a Duke of Edinburgh. You needed to do like a skill, a sport, and then you had to do some form of volunteering. So I volunteered down at the local charity shop on High Street back home, which well, was thank you for your service, Harry. Yeah, thank no, yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> do you want to shout out the charity? Uh, Sue Ryder. They're now closed back home, um, so they must have been doing terribly without me. What What was your like day to day work? Did were you on the tills or stacking shelves um, or sorting through donations or what was it? I think it was a mixture of just sorting through donations, then going on the till, and then kind of just stacking up. It was quite interesting in the background because you'd, you'd work in like sorting out all the all the donations, and the amount of stuff in there is insane. I guess a lot of people just end up with. You know, if you've got a couple of like shirts or whatever you don't want or whatever belongings, you just go, you put it in the bags and just put it outside the charity shop, kind of like polite fly tipping in a way. Mm. The amount of stuff they had to sort through and you don't realize it as well, the amount of cleaning they do because it's all these bag clothes just in bags and then half the shift would be you just cleaning, do like dry cleaning of clothes just so you get set out into the, into the shop. So And a lot, of it get, a lot of it gets thrown away as well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I, I was think... told because I've done it before, and they said, "Yeah, about or pretty much all this stuff's going to be shipped off to like Bulgaria or something to be <laughs> made into God knows what." So. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do your mum and dad both do? So, my mum is head of clinical training for a branch in the NHS. I think frantically looking up my mum on LinkedIn right now um and then speaking of my mum on LinkedIn she sent me a birthday message on LinkedIn three days late <laughs> if, like surely of all the people right my mum would know when I was born but she sent it on link on LinkedIn three days late saying happy birthday hi harry i hope this yeah. message finds you well um, yeah just wanted to give you a great is deal a... Of celebratory <laughs> congratulations um and then my dad is a uh, photographer and he's been doing that for years now i think he started off as like he used to tell me all these stories he used to work with, like a, a photographer and they just like kind of like basically travel around um kind of like freelance-esque did he do any particular kind of photography or was it just whatever people paid him to do um i remember he did some stuff for, like coca-cola um it's pretty cool you've got a lot of his stuff like back home and i've been meaning to take one of them that he did from like a i think it's like an old mercedes or something um it's quite a cool shot just framed i need to bring it here actually and then i think it was also quite funny because he'd also deter us my me and my brother from going into photography just because he's saying it's pretty much like a dying business in a way or it's really really difficult to get into really every time every time i picked up a camera he's like shaking i'm gonna be like oh no you're gonna get the bug yeah in what way is it a dying because i would have thought you know since surely it's easier than ever to take pretty good photos is that why it's harder to get into because everyone can do it i guess so i guess you've got a lot of like you know instagram photographers going around but then i think you also look at like stuff coming up with like new technologies and ai kind of just generating all the stuff for you um, why would you need a big fancy studio, I guess, when you can just generate it on a computer now, I guess. Yeah, but that's rubbish, isn't it? Like when you tell like those <laughs> things to, you know, give me this and it does some kind of like Lovecraftian horror instead of what you yeah. asked it to draw. <laughs> so 
your dad didn't want you to be a photographer, but what did you want to be when you were little, when you were growing up? Kind of in two minds. I did, I did want to join the police. My mum's dad, so my granddad, was a detective for Northumberland, Northumberland Police. And then I almost, before I went into my current job, I had a sort of interview for the, for the Met coming up, but I ended up not going through because I was offered where I was. Mm. And then I think I've always wanted to know I wanted to go into engineering. <laughs> I remember in school, there was a guy, like a guest speaker came in to give a talk about engineering. And it was honestly like, it was like a sermon, this, this guy <laughs> on like the, the pedestal talking about engineering. And I just kind of said to myself, yeah, I want to, I want to go into that. Was that like the light bulb moment for you of like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, although it was, <laughs> I don't think I had the most, it was quite difficult to get it, to get the ball rolling, I think, because I did all right at GCSE and then at A level, uh, we took a bit of a, a bit of an L to be honest. First of my A levels, I took master's mechanics, physics, product design and then history and yeah for year year um year 12 a levels was not good it was just not good um i think i failed maths got an e in physics and then a c in product design and then like a c in history <laughs> i remember getting that i remember getting my a levels and it was just like the worst feeling because i remember I, I knew when i walked out of those exams i was like yeah this is this is mm. bad. And my only comforting thing, I guess, from, from one of the physics exams I did, it was G491. And it was called, I can't remember what it's called, but I remember the second module having a really dramatic name called like the rise and fall of the clockwork universe. Um, and then I remember the day I got out of this exam, I, don't, I can't remember how I found it. I think I was Googling other people's opinions on this paper because it was insane. I tried doing it on, so I went up to York for like a work trip. And I remember I was chatting to one of my colleagues who did like a physics background and I showed him this exam paper. I was like, can you do this? Because I need some, I still need some comfort <laughs> to this day about this exam paper. And I remember I got onto YouTube and I don't know if I've shown you this, Jordan, but someone made like a rendition or they've edited over some of the exam questions in that paper on the introduction to Saving Private Ryan. And it's one of the best YouTube videos ever. You've never shown You know, it's got, it's, it shows like the landing craft coming in and there's someone drinking a bottle of water and it's called like last minute revision and stuff like that. And it's just showing it's all the students like throwing up on the, uh, on the landing craft. It's honest, it's whoever made that really, you know, Help me out. That's so of niche. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell I, you I what. When we put this episode out, we'll share uh, we'll share a link to that on our <laughs> social media, so people can go and see it. They get yeah, the interactive I've, I've, experience. I have the bookmark still saved on my browser to this day, and it's how best to describe the May 2014 OCR G491 physics exam. <laughs> Every now and again, I would go back and watch this video as just a little. Yeah. It's only got it's got thirty eight thousand views. Came out nine years ago, and I am one of the seven hundred and twenty five people to give it a like. It's doing numbers, man. It's going to be big. It's doing, yeah, yeah. One day it's going to get you know, caught up in the YouTube algorithm and have millions of views. And I can say I was there. I was one of those people. So you you struggled for your A levels. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. What oh, did you What did you finish with in the end? Um, I don't know if any of you have like failed an A level before uh never i would recommend will. it i'm it's really i'm really smart me and jacob are really really smart so <laughs> nice um i remember being in the i think you kind of got like you gotta have a bit of a reality check and it's just like what do i actually do from here what are my options can i actually go into year 13 or do i need to start thinking about something else and i remember being in the um chat to the the teacher who ran like these and she was also my math teacher and i remember just being like i'm sticking with it 
I'm, I'm not, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> we're going into year 13. And they were like, are you going to carry on doing maths and physics? And I was like, you're goddamn right I am. <laughs> God, and I remember the physics teacher was begging me. She was begging me not to go into A2 physics because I heard it was rough. We're still with OCR, the devil exam board, and they're horrible exams. And it's just like, she was like, no, maybe don't drop product design because you did it. You've got a C in that. And that's that's pretty good. Maybe you should drop physics and think about doing something else. I was just like, nah, it's not happening. I'm carrying I'm, I'm, you'll, you'll see me in your physics classes and I would be there. And I remember I had to, I had to resit AS maths, which I think went pretty well because I'd already done it, but not very well. And I was like, oh, I know the answer to these questions. I just didn't put them down in the, uh, in the exam paper. So yeah, and then I carried on, <laughs> yeah, I just carried on with history. I got quite light history actually. Um, so I think overall I got, when I finished year 13, I think I got like a B in maths in AS. We got a D in physics, which was a bit better than the E. And we carried on with a, um, a C in A-level history and then a C in AS product design. So then I took like a year out to do A2 maths in my own time with a tutor. And I think I got like a, a C overall in that. And that was enough to get me on my foundation mechanical engineering course. And where was that? Uh, Northumbria in, um, in Newcastle. I've heard very good things about Newcastle as a university city. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I was there for five years, but I think we had, I'd been going up to Newcastle all my life because my nan lived outside Morpeth, well, she lived in Morpeth, which was about like a 15 minute drive away. So I've been going up there. Yeah, it was quite nice to go somewhere quite familiar. So did you, um, keeping it on trend, did you have any jobs in uni? Uh, I, well, I guess prior to uni, so I guess if we're going back to the chronology, so we got a charity shop for like six months or something. Then I got a job in a supermarket, which I stayed for about four and a half years, four and a half years on the supermarket front lines, um, which I also carried on at uni because they let me transfer to um, the branch up in up in Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I review to have worked in a supermarket before. I actually no. haven't. No, I've never worked in a, in a supermarket. It's, it's a lot of manual labor. It really is a lot of money. So I got to work on, when I first joined, I was put on like fruit and veg. Supermarket was quite big. Um, and it was it's just like, it's like working, it's like a working on a construction site. It was tough. Like the amount of stock you had to move was crazy. And then the delivery would just come in and it was just like endless. Especially when you get around to like Christmas time. My God, working on fruit and veg, knackered absolutely knackered at the end of that um so especially parsnips potatoes <laughs> pars- the, brussels potatoes, potatoes specifically the amount like especially christmas you've got loads of them coming in and then the amount sprouts. of stock you have to put out and it was just heavy um so yeah a lot of sprouts for me personally i think everyone should work in at least for some time should work in a supermarket or some form of hospitality i think that should be yeah. like modern day conscription is yep okay you're 16 or whatever time to get you in a supermarket tesco's are crying out they need you you know (laughs) iceland's you know they're fighting some demons in there or something you know (laughs) sort them out yeah i never have never worked in hospitality i think it kind of gives you some good personal skills i was telling jordan about this before um i didn't join any societies at uni but when i was working at like up there my shifts were like 5 30 till 10 30 friday night and saturday night 
which didn't really matter at uni because you, know, you can go out any night. But because I worked with a lot of other students, people were sort of similar age. That was like my social was was kind of like going into work and have a crack it on with just whoever I was working with, just stocking the shelves, or whatever, just having a chat about what you've been up to and then going over to the pub over the road, which would then probably lead into like a night out or something. And then that was like my social and I made some good mates from it as well. So, and it helped me pay uni rent as well. So mm. how much do you yeah. say like your average person who does a job like that at university makes from it like per week? I was, so I was doing 10 hours a week. And per month, I was getting around like 250 quid. <laughs> that's a, that's not a lot of money, is it? <laughs> but I think the thing is in, in, in Newcastle, well, rent yeah, was true, so true. like, for me, I remember one year I was paying rent of like 300 and something pounds a month. I was paying for rent. So, you know, about like a good 80% of that was getting paid by just working at. Mm, yeah. five years in newcastle was that the foundation year the degree and then the placement yeah or... so it was okay. a, just a, didn't do a master's so it was just yeah the foundation year which i don't know i don't think i <laughs> i think i could have gone into first year straight away but i needed i didn't have the grades to do that the foundation year was it was pretty like when they went over like some like pretty basic stuff it was kind of like gcse maths a bit over again i i it, it serves a purpose right to help you get because once you do the foundation year you're guaranteed to get on to the course itself. Where, what was the placement like? What was that like? Uh, I think this was this was pretty good, like eye-opening moment because this was like first time working in like an end. So I got to work on a um, a chemical plant. So the company manufactured chipboard, and then the plant, the part that I worked in, was their resin plant, which would manufacture uh, resin in reactors, and they would use that to basically bind all the chips together to make chipboard. This would be like my first nine to five job because the supermarket was like what half ten, half five in the afternoon till half ten at night, or you'd do an early shift and start at like seven in the morning or sometimes earlier. So it was quite nice to have like a normal time scale. Yeah, I think it was interesting. It was a lot. So my 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 course was in mechanical engineering, um, and this was very much like chemical and process engineering. And I felt like I felt like I had missed something on my course because you'd think in mechanical engineering you'd learn about valves pumps pipes and all this stuff you don't why you don't do that <laughs> to me is a is a joke and whoever writes these these courses needs to include please if they're listening put something in about valves pumps and pipes please i'm begging you and i remember i was walking around and someone asked me he's like do you know much about like valves you know much about it? i was just like nope nope <laughs> nope i don't know anything about this have i really gone here and don't know anything about this. I was just like, no. Then the ChemEng guy, he was like, yeah, this is a textbook ChemEng. Yeah, I know all this. And I was like, please tell me. Please give me a textbook <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, no, I think I really, I, I did quite enjoy it. It was very much, it was very like quite hands-on with some of the stuff you had to do. So I think every eight months, they'd have to do like a catalyst change. So this was used to make uh, formaldehyde on site, which is very nasty stuff. Um, it's got a very unique smell. Uh, apparently you're not meant to breathe it in it's carcinogenic i remember i took this plate off the formaldehyde tower got a big waft of it and i was just like that's not very nice so yeah you did like you got to strip down the tower you did all the maintenance on it um i got to do some welding that was pretty cool and then yeah i remember i started they were like here's the three projects we want you to do do it throughout the year yeah i enjoyed it it was good i knew at the end of it i didn't want to work in resin manufacturing because i think regardless of what i worked on there it was improving the efficiency of manufacturing resin 
And I was just like, I'm a bit glued out at the end of this. I don't want to be doing this anymore. But I think it was some really good work experience. And first time working on like engineering like projects, you know, you get to see how it works. You're taught at uni about, bam, the iron triangle. What's the iron triangle? It's like cost, scope, and time. And then you get to see that's all the three things that make up a project. And you get to see that in person. And then COVID hit and I got furloughed. And oh, that was, you got furloughed from your placement. I did. It was oh, okay. fantastic. <laughs> I loved furlough. I think, you know, COVID, yeah, it was, I think a lot of people did have a quite a rough time in like lockdowns. But personally for me, lockdown one, take me back. <laughs> take me back. <laughs> it was peak summer in Newcastle. I'd been furloughed from work. And it was just like every day was a barbecue. Me and my housemates outside having a few beers in in a garden not in the garden not we weren't breaking social distancing rules um, we were in the garden having a barbecue and we just had beers it was great so did you did you get to complete your placement then if you were so if it was put on hot my placement was from june 2019 to july 2020 so i got furloughed in may or april 2020 and i think the, the running joke was back at work in two weeks i went back to work in in july and mm. it was quite nice because they said, okay, we just want you to like wrap up some things just so that you can say you kind of like tick this off. Then they gave me like the flexibility to work from home as well. So they sent the formaldehyde round to your house. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, don't breathe it in. Don't breathe it in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, me missing the plant, I just, you know, I swear. <laughs> Big inhale. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was quite nice because they gave me like a, like a, a couple of weeks just to like wrap some stuff up just to put so I could put like a stamp on it and kind of like it's not just are oh, you furloughed and then you're leaving it's okay we'll bring you back for a bit just so you can have like an exit period which I thought was quite good because it did kind of let me like mentally say okay yeah that's that's done then go back to uni I would recommend if anyone is thinking about doing a placement absolutely I think it's probably one of the best things you can do at uni because I think a lot of people come out with university with like no work experience and then if you're applying for a job and you've got like a year's placement I think it gives you such an advantage and that it gives you so much you can talk about in an interview as well. So I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer and I work in uh, nuclear power. Oh, there's power. a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and I work in, yeah, I work in nuclear power now. And now you are Homer J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Now you work at the nuclear power plant. Be surprised. It's not the first time I've heard that joke. Um, but no, I do actually work at a nuclear power plant. I work in... Uh, like a, a consultancy because because me and you have had um conversations before about because i'm you've heard it so much from people when you say about nuclear power because oh, i did yeah. the same thing to you where you said nuclear power and i went oh that's dangerous that sounds dangerous see this this literally happened to me the other weekend i was in london and then i was chatting i stayed on my stayed at my friends and then her mate who she also lives with was like oh what do you do i say i work in nuclear power and she's like he's like we're talking about net zero and he's like oh that's not very net zero is it and i said listen tom this is the problem people like you <laughs> don't know you don't know but yeah it's yeah sorry carry on yeah it is sorry, don't know what, sorry. sorry what was that well, explain explain what's the what's the misconception people think that you know nuclear power is like you know you're gonna get like a third eye from radioactivity and then people i think and people just assume that it's really, really dangerous. I think it just gets a bit of a bad rep um, from the, the incidents of like, you know, Chernobyl and Three Mile Island and all that kind of stuff have kind of really ingrained into like public the public perceptions and massive impact on it. 
yes, it's yes, it's, it's it, can, it can be dangerous, but the amount of like safety systems and safety culture engineering involved in it, it's it's not. And I think it's really trying to get the public involved in that. Sorry, that was. Yeah. No, it's okay. That's you can. That's fine. That's fine. That's what you're here for, Harry. Yeah. We want to. If you want to, if you want to tell us about nuclear power, then this is the time to do it. Okay. I guess the, the main way it's done is like nuclear fission. I guess you know how that that works. No. Okay. Uh, no. So you get like so the way the reactor works is. If I get things wrong, I do apologize, but hey, you guys won't know that. Um, so, <laughs> so you get like your your fuel, which is like your your uranium two three five whatever, which is like an isotope of uranium. Um, and then what you do is you it interacts with like a neutron. Um, you guys know what neutrons are, right? So you got in an atom, you've got protons, <laughs> neutrons, and electrons. You take like a neutron, and then that like atomically reacts with the uranium fuel, undergoes nuclear fusion because the element becomes unstable because it's got too many neutrons in it and then it decays into other materials called like fission fragments and then that process of nuclear fusion nuclear fission sorry fusion that's another thing um nuclear fission releases an incredible amount of energy and then you basically use that to create steam and then that steam drives a uh, drives a turbine and that's how you get electricity it's exactly the 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 power cycles involved and then it's very similar to how a coal plant works right you burn coal boils water creates steam steam drives a turbine it's the exact same thing in a fission reactor except you're using a different type of fuel and there's other stuff involved in that you're just taking your fuel which has a much higher energy density so you get more energy I guess per if you looked at more energy per kilogram of fuel creating more power more steam drives your turbines bam you can charge your iphone and i'm i'm guessing it's more sustainable yeah, would I guess, you say, I did, or is is I, there like a limited <laughs> supply of uranium? I, I don't know. Technically, yes, but I think like the amount of like energy like you get out of I can't remember what the the exact amount is, but you know from like a certain like the amount of fuel that you actually use in fission is quite small relatively to my view compared to like coal because it's so energy dense. And the amount of power that you get out of the fission reaction, you're probably not going to run out of uranium. Um, what's also interesting is yes, uranium is finite, but I think the way you know, if you look, I mean, I got into a bit of a rabbit hole about looking at like neutron stars on on YouTube, and then how basically as a result of like neutron stars getting stars going into supernova, that's how you actually originally get like your relevance in in the Earth, and then I love you a probably neutron trace, star. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend. There's a guy on YouTube who does like a really good video on neutron stars. So it's actually really interesting. Um, but you can kind of stem back that eventually like the uranium on earth would have come from a supernova to do with like a neutron star so but yeah i wouldn't you wouldn't need to worry about us running out of uranium probably anytime soon but i am i am worried harry well i'm telling you you should (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i think nuclear power has got quite an interesting history in like the world and the uk really so you're not Rolling up your sleeves every day and climbing into a nuclear reactor or anything. It's much no, more rolling up office space. Yeah, it's a lot more office space. Um, Sitting I down do, at a desk. Yeah, there are options to work on like site if you want to. Um, I did do some site visits, not really to a nuclear facility, but um, like a semiconductor manufacturing place. That was quite interesting, quite reminiscent of going on to placement because what I do on placement is you look at like PNIDs, piping and instrumentation diagrams, going around site that's being built. Does this match up with what's been designed in house? You know, is this valve in the right place? Is this pump in the right place? Is this the correct material? Is this 
piping be installed correctly and you get to chat to the contractors. The few Geordie contractors got to chat to, we got to remember this about Newcastle. That was good crack. Um, but yeah, there is the option if I wanted to go work on the site. I think I can. And is um, it, you know, is the aim of your job to make it easier to build like new nuclear power plants or is it to kind of maintain and repair existing ones? Or? Um, so in the UK, Plants in the UK are actually going into decommissioning because they were originally called Magnox reactors. And these are boiling water reactors. And this stemmed from the fact that there's, after World War II and all the Manhattan projects and all that, a lot of information to do with nuclear assets was scrapped and just hidden because they didn't want it getting into, quote unquote, the wrong hands. So a lot of people had to redesign how we're actually going to use nuclear applications so in the uk because they couldn't enrich off uranium fuel we had to do what's called magnox reactors and these are kind of like they're called boiling water reactors and they're essentially like kettles basically but for instance the us and canada could enrich their fuel they made pressurized water reactors and so within the uk we have a lot of these magnox reactors that are now gone into um decommissioning so a lot of the reactors in the uk i think they're built in like, like the 50s or whatever so a lot of the stuff we do at work is like helping with the decommissioning of that. So how do you actually safely get rid of all the waste that was generated by these? And how do we actually, like, is there anything that we can repurpose here? Um, but around the world, the modern reactor is the pressurized water reactor. So we do some stuff to do with those. But me specifically, I get to, I get to look at quite cool stuff. I get to look at uh, nuclear fusion and do stuff with advanced reactors. So your generation four reactors. So... Yeah, it's we do a lot of stuff to do with nuclear-based most um, like reactor types. Um, but yeah, if I wanted to get into involved in stuff to do with pressurized water reactors, which I probably do, could do that. Uh, but my primary focus is to look into nuclear fusion, um, which I think is a bit more exciting, a bit more interesting. And do you imagine that you'll continue in the kind of working on nuclear stuff for the foreseeable future? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I think so. I'm on a grad scheme which lasts three years. Um, I think. Right now, I'll play out the grad scheme for three years, see what happens. I think it's quite cool because I get to go on like a variety of stuff I get to work on. I'm finding the stuff to do with Fusion a lot more interesting. And that's the team that I work in. And Fusion is quite a big up and coming thing that hopefully gets. Uh, do you guys know anything about Nuclear Fusion? Uh, not really. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, know, I know that it's the thing that if we could crack it, it would yeah. make the generation of nuclear power a lot more efficient and better but i don't know what you're fusing together exactly so it's it's it has the the word nuclear in it but the the process is very different from how fission works so if you imagine fission is like spitting up atoms um fusion is just bringing them together so what you do is you have um you use hydrogen i guess for those who don't wear the sun operates on nuclear fusion uh but the sun can cheat do you guys know why the sun can cheat? Because it's, it's really so big hot. and heavy. Correct. Because it's so big and heavy, gravity is so intense that it can force these like nuclides to go together. Um, but here on planet Earth, we don't have that ability. So we use incredibly very, 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 very high temperatures of you know around 200 million degrees um, for this to occur. And it occurs in the fourth state of matter, which is a plasma. 
um, which is just a super, it's just a charged gas, basically. Um, 200 million degrees? Two, 200 million was the record that was recently set. Wow. I mean, the, I think the center of the sun is only about 15 million, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's someone made a really interesting point, actually, um, because you also use like cryogenic systems in, in fusion plants. Um, which is like looking at scales of like 10 Kelvin. So for instance, zero is the lowest you can go on the Kelvin scale, which is equivalent to minus 273.5, I think, degrees C. So imagine temperatures of like minus 265 degrees is how cold you're talking. And at that point, it's it's pretty chilly. So yeah, if you that'd have... That'd be lovely. Yeah. That'd be, so, that'd be I'd walk around in, in a t-shirt in that. That'd be wicked for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's always... It's my uni mate, uh, housemate who said, you know, it's always shorts weather. So, you know, if I was yeah. surrounded by minus 265 degrees, <laughs> you can bet your bottom socks away. You can bet whatever. I'm still wearing shorts. Um, but yeah, if you have well, those... Well, I think temp- at that temperature, you would just freeze and shatter into pieces, wouldn't you? So, well, I, I mean, actually... Oh, what a way I mean, to I go. I think the whole point of like absolute zero, right, is it's, it's, it's particles have, they have no energy. So if you imagine anything, they're always vibrating. They have energy. For absolute zero, they have, they have nothing. They're not moving at all. Has no energy, which is, I guess, kind of theoretically impossible. The analogy someone made that was really interesting is that in a fusion plant, if you've got these cryogenic temperatures and you've got the plasma at that high temperature, you have probably the largest temperature gradient or temperature difference in the universe that's mental that's actually mm. mental um so with fusion what you do is you take um do you know what isotopes are I've heard they of them. <laughs> are different uh go on jacob different elements but with different numbers of protons no different Close. numbers of neutrons in correct their yeah they have different number, they have a different number of neutrons if they had a different number of protons they'd be different elements so yes. the reason hydrogen and helium are different is because they have a different number of protons. So, but with, with hydrogen, you get, it has one proton and one electron. If you add one neutron to that, you get deuterium. It's called hydrogen two. If you have another neutron onto that, you get uh, tritium, hydrogen three. And what you do is you take deuterium and tritium, heat them up. You get your plasma, then you cryogenically cool, cool them, fire them into a plasma, and then you, 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 think you cross your fingers and you hope that they then fuse together. And then that process releases more more energy than fission, significantly more. And then the idea is then you would capture that and then you would use some form of power cycle to then generate steam again and drive a turbine. In the in the UK, we're looking at doing that in a device called a, a tokamak, which uses magnets. It's called um, get two types of fusion, get magnetic confinement and inertial confinement. Um, and in magnetic confinement, you have your plasma and you use magnets to basically confine and shape your plasma, heat that up to around uh, a nice tepid 200 odd million degrees, put your fuel in there, pray that they fuse together. And then that process releases a lot of energy. And then we capture that and then put that into a Then Bob's your uncle. And then, yeah, you plug your PC in and then you play an Elden Ring. Hey, there's, there's my second token. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Huh? You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to disconnect me? And now, Harry, we come on to the final section of the podcast when we work together to find you your dream job. Just in case you already have one, do you already have a dream job in mind? Dream job? Hmm, good question. Um, I think think I'd want to stay in engineering and then get quite senior in that. I think, you know, I think to be chief engineer, I think would be sick. Just the title alone. Yeah, just like having chief in the name, that would be good. 
And then, you know, I'm still, it's still nagging at the back of my mind is detective and the police. It's still there, which I think is still quite insane to me. I think it's still, I think it's only because my granddad did it and, you know, I I do, I do like my job, but then, you know, sometimes you're like, you know, you're at desk all the time and then it'd be quite nice to just be out and about, I think. Um, So I do think, yeah, progressing engineering is what I want to do. But then I I hear, you know, Matthew McConaughey from True Detective whispering, (laughs) all right, all right, all right. So it's kind of like you want to, you know, be the the chief technology officer at a company, the company that cracks nuclear fusion. But then you go home from work and suddenly you're a detective. You <laughs> mean like as a yeah. detective. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily be like, you know, CTO or whatever. I think just quite like it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you said you wanted chief in your title. Chief is also something you get called if you get high up in the police. Like, all right, chief. Yeah, maybe, maybe the inter- maybe what I should do is find a middle ground between engineering and detective stuff, and just become like you know, an inspect, like a health and safety inspector or something <laughs> like that. You know. So would that be working <laughs> yes. for maybe like a nuclear safety regulator or something? Yeah, so maybe I think people you could do like um, in- so. There's the O and R, uh, which is the nuclear regulator, and then there's HSC, yeah. health and safety executive, um, and they send. I remember when um. When I was on placement, actually, the HSE were coming to visit, and it's kind of like it's kind of like Ofsted for coming to school. To be honest, it was just like, right, it's no more breathing in this formaldehyde, guys. <laughs> not doing that anymore. But would you <laughs> would, would you not be more interested in the in the kind of technical side? Because I guess you know HSE would come in and you know check that are your staff going to be in danger. But I guess like it, you'd probably want to go in and and actually look at like the mechanics of it all and work out whether that's safe i think there are I, I think i think there are elements for hsc that probably would do that um yeah no i i, I see what you mean i think that kind of like an auditor in a way i guess um yeah yeah i think might be for that i think that would be quite an interesting thing to do just because you get that kind of you get the technical engineering side to it and then that kind of policing in a way because you you're like you're the engineer police <laughs> yeah so you, you know, get your badge and you're gone yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a like a laser thermostat really. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you do but you do have a license to yeah. kill yeah. Like james bond yeah. <laughs> walk straight in shoot the yeah. reactor it blows up yeah <laughs> it could yeah. be like you know I, I, op- yeah, yeah i open up my like my, my trench coat and there's just like something that it's like a little valve that measures pressure in that line i'm like I will use this. I will check if you're at two bar, buddy. If you're not, you're coming with me. What about if you had this job where you're this engineering specialist safety auditor for nuclear plants, but your first assignment is to go to Chernobyl (laughs) a few days before what happened there? Uh, That would be interesting. I don't know. I think... It is Chernobyl is actually an interesting. I've actually been watching the, the TV show Chernobyl. And it's actually it does a pretty good like summary of like what happened, albeit a bit like dramatization to it. Um, but I think I think that would be quite interesting if you if you if you had the knowledge of RBMK reactors and if you knew that they were like baffling in their design, and you were the auditor and went round and think like, what are you guys? What is this? I think that would be really interesting if you were the guy who stopped you know Chernobyl from happening. Yeah, that'd be quite cool. So you is got- that your dream job? The guy that stops Chernobyl from happening? Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe not. But yes, maybe I would actually want to, you know, if, if we could stop it happening. That well, that's an interesting amazing. point because, uh, I mean, surely Chernobyl was one of the 
one of the things that led to mm-hmm. yeah. the collapse of the Soviet Union. And so if you stopped it from happening, you might really change the whole course of history. The last 30, 40 years. Yeah. Do you you guys probably know, wouldn't want to do that. Do you guys know why Chernobyl happened? Um, is AZ5. It... They pressed AZ5. That's, <laughs> the name of, that's what it was called, wasn't it? The, yeah. the safety switch that ended up just blowing it up itself, yeah. like like the fail safe. And there was, I, don't, I can't remember. I mean, I wa- I've watched the TV show as well. So that's, how mm. I, that's what I know that from. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting because they, they were using a, a fission reactor. And what you need to like, to, to promote fission happening, you need to use a moderator. Because as a result of when we undergo fission, you release what's called a fast neutron. If you imagine this neutron is going at such high speeds, the likelihood that it interacts with any more uranium fuel is quite low because it's going so quick. So we use a moderator and it, what this moderator does is it slows down neutrons. And then this makes it, you increase the probability that a neutron will then interact with your uranium fuel. Um, so I use water in reactors. Is water is an absolutely amazing um, moderator of neutrons. Um, you can also use a uh, graphite. Graphite is also a moderator. Um, but what happened in, in Chernobyl, they were doing a low power scenario test and RBMK's reactors have what's called a positive void coefficient. You can look, I can't really explain it. Just look it up. And then because they were operating at low power, what happened is when they, they use control rods, which is also to like, so say your, your reaction is going super critical, which isn't necessarily like a bad thing. It just means you're getting quite a lot of fission reactions happening. You can lower the control rods in and what these control rods do is they absorb neutrons so that they're not interacting with your uranium fuel. So you're stopping the fission reaction from happening. In the RBMK reactors, their control rods at the tip of them had graphite. Graphite is a moderator of neutrons. RBMK reactors are unstable at low power. So as soon as they press that AZ5 button, control rods come in. First thing that the neutrons interact with is graphite, then cause a massive surge in power, cause it to uh, explode. Why you use graphite on control rods? Not really sure about that one. If you look into the positive void coefficient, I think it's to do with like as you increase your temperature, your power goes up and it keeps like they keep bouncing from each other and keeps going up and up. But in modern reactors, you have what's called a negative void coefficient. And because um the good thing about water is that as you increase it, it expands. So as you increase the temperature, your power goes down, then your power falls down, your temperature goes up, and then it kinda of like bounces back up and it kinda of like fluctuates between the two and is is what's called uh it's called passive safety. So you get like three different, you get different tiers of safety. So you get like administrative safety would be me doing something manually. And you get engineered safety, like machine, like which is just using like you know, machines to, to control stuff. So, you know, when temperature reaches X, valve shuts off, stops this from happening. You know, it, administrative safety would be me going and doing it myself. It's safer for the, yes, the, the, the machine could fail, but then you have redundancy. That's something else kicks in instead. So engineered safety is the valve electronically shutting off. Then you get passive safety, which obeys the laws of physics. Then above that is intrinsic safety. Now we're talking. Uh, I actually can't remember what intrinsic safety actually is, but that's like the next level. Of, uh, <laughs> it's like the next level up. It's the next level wow. up from passive oh, safety. You started that uh, as if it was your one great love in life, <laughs> intrinsic safety. And it's like, oh, actually, you've got no idea what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's like the next level up. That's, so that's it. So I'm 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 getting the feeling here that if we could marry the two, if we could bring safety, um, you know, detective skills into nuclear fusion, that would be the ideal scenario. Could be. I also quite like going into like the technical side of things, actually getting into like the numbers and nitty gritty of like you know 
we're going to design X, Y, Z. We're going to use this because mm. of this flow rate. We're going to look at doing a different, use this power cycle. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's say that, you know, you've become senior. So you've just mm. kept working, you know, in nuclear power. You've become really expert at it. Then you have a little bit of a career change and you say, okay, I'm going to, now that I've got all this knowledge, I'm going to go into doing these inspections. Mm -hmm. So you're working for HSE or the nuclear safety watchdog, whoever it is. Well, here's the thing, whoever, whoever becomes the regulator for fusion. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a one man band. You know? yeah. So, so you know, you, a lot of work. Someone's so got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So you go in there, you know, they have to let you in. You can just turn up at the gates at night. You can come in, wander around the place. You can, you know, you can ask them any questions about anything they have to answer. You can get them in a room, and it's all, you know, you can, you can do all that. You, you can, can use your the people skills. Yeah. You can shine the lamp. <laughs> you can be good cop or bad cop, I was depending say, yeah. on what you want. <laughs> and then, because you have all this technical knowledge, if you notice anything that's not right, you can start getting into the detail and saying, right, you need to change this. You need to do this. Da 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 da. So you can still have that kind of hands-on, mm. yeah, engineering skill but you know you've got your detective side of things as well because you're basically like a nuclear detective mm. yeah that sounds good and i guess the only thing we're missing is the feeling of at the end of the day you're like right let's go across the road to the pub <laughs> <laughs> so maybe do you want that you have like think... a few maybe more junior inspectors who come along with you yeah and they kind of you know, they just do whatever you don't want to do while you're there. And at the end of the night, when you've done all your interviews, like, in, you know, grilling all the kind of people working at the plant, you're like, right, have a beer. across the road to... Yeah, as long as, it's, then, as, long as it doesn't spiral into, like, raging alcoholism, then great. <laughs> yeah. Um, as long as it's like, you well, can, you yeah, can but, sit at the bar and you can swill a whiskey and think, yeah. and think about the case. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what you're wearing I'm imagining like a kind of like a police uniform, but with a few like nuclear kind of twists to it. Like oh, maybe yeah. like you've got like a like instead of like the badge on the cap, it's like a kind of diagram or maybe like a nuclear like hazard symbol or something. <laughs> yeah. Like what if you could design your, your uniform for when you're showing up in the dead of night? <laughs> yeah, they could always be like on, on my sleeve could be like a, a, a scimitar or something, always showing me how much radiation I'm being exposed to. As soon as that dial goes up a little bit too far for my liking. And that's when yeah. heads are getting slammed. <laughs> could you have like a, yeah. Um, yeah. almost like a holster, like a gun holster, but it's a Geiger counter. Yeah. <laughs> and you can pull that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing like a lead vest the entire time just to stop the amount of radiation I'm being exposed to. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how a nuclear power plant works exactly, but I imagine that there'll be times when people who work there have to be doing really long shifts. They might be there for multiple days and therefore they probably have to like bring in food and things to have while they're there. So what if when you show up sometimes to do this job, they're like at the same time, they've received a great big shipment of like potatoes and carrots mm. and parsnips and things. And they're like, oh, sorry, while you're here, could you just help us to bring this all into the kitchen and stack it up? the shelves and everything but if you had to do if you had to do that every now and then it's would you still be happy to do that i mean uh, you know going back to your roots a little bit back to your vegetable I think, roots yeah you know I'd, I'd, I'd probably you know look up you know take take one one toke of my cigarette you know <laughs> snuff out and be like let's get to it boys let's get to it <laughs> shelves aren't gonna stack themselves okay so you'd be humble you know you'd be yeah. quite a humble yeah, guy for you know, old you, time's you'd be, sake 
you know yeah yeah you'd be going in and you'd be like you know you're the you're you're kind of being a bit even when you're you kind see, of being bad cop you're still this like is okay I'm one step ahead of you jacob because i always carry my trusty supermarket apron with me just for these uh these cases so, <laughs> oh, I would, okay. so you can whip it on i'd yeah. spin around on the spot and do a quick outfit change and wreck like in the suit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be ready to just at any point in my life ready to stack the shelves. But they probably couldn't bring in bananas though, could they? Why? Is this Because bananas are radioactive. Oh. That's why ten million bananas a day. So just... yeah. They are though, aren't they? I'm not just making that up. I'm sure they're like more radioactive than I think your I've average heard fruit. To do this. Yeah. To do. I think it's Is that why they're green when they start sure. out? Because they're like glowing. Yeah. <laughs> like uranium. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, just being hit with like you know, electrons and helium particles all the time. Yeah. So would you um so, would you actually accept this job if it were offered to you? Assuming like, you know, this is when you've done, you know, like you've become like the principal engineer, or whatever. Chief. Would you chief. accept that going into that and that's your job until retirement? Would you accept that? Yeah. Okay, there's some doubt there. So so what what could we do to make it so that you're a bit more like yeah definitely i would do i would accept that because you seem a little bit like you're hesitating is there some is there some aspects of what you enjoy and work that we that you don't have in this a late night bakery to be honest yeah <laughs> we can okay we can give we you can do that we can get yeah. the pub okay how about the pub also um, sells pastries also sells world-class pastries yeah i'd like that so it's perfect now is it yeah. yeah, it's like a petrol station where they have like a subway in it. It's like you've got a pub that's also just got a Greg's in the back or something like that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, to, to, on a side note, I think Greg's is probably, if you're looking at like, you know, fast food takeaways, would you cast Greg's as a fast food takeaway? I think so. I guess so, yeah. I would say not because it's not made to order. The stuff's already there. It's already made and you just order it out of the hot. Yeah. You know, but if you go to like McDonald's, they make your burger when you order it. Or so that's that's it. that's the difference for me. Okay. Well then, well then I quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a resigning matter, Jacob. Yeah, I'd put I'd put you know if I'm if we're going with Harry's model of it being a take or fast we take up mm. Greg's mm. like number one. Well, if you're happy, then should we shake on it? We've given you your dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come in. I'm here <laughs> until retirement. All right. Well, there we go. That's part of why we do this. We want to find people <laughs> their dream jobs. So um, remember us when you're showing up in the rain outside the gates of a <laughs> if, nuclear power plant. If either of you are, you know, running a nuclear power plant in in, in, in the future, and then just if if it's if it's getting late and it starts raining, you'll see like a flash of lightning and then an outline <laughs> there. <laughs> sausage roll i'm gonna have your i'm gonna have your face up on a dartboard in in the power plant and i'll be like i pray that he never shows up throwing darts at the ball well that was very exciting jordan i am buzzing with nuclear energy (laughs) i'm i'll tell you what i'm full of atoms full of atoms after that one Filled to the brim with atoms, I am. Yeah, that was great. It's absolutely great. Always a pleasure talking to uh, my flatmate. And uh, it's even better that I get to live with him every day and chat to him. Yeah, I'm jealous. As you should be. Um, But there's always the sofa bed, mate, if you change your mind. Yeah, thanks. 
It makes it sound like I've like said I'm never going to come round. Like if you change your mind about staying on a sofa bed, don't don't come over, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> don't don't come to my house. Oh, okay. I just I just want to see you on the screen. I'm oh, sorry, I lied. I don't want you on the sofa bed. I just want to see you on the screen. Oh, okay. But can you put the screen on the sofa bed? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll I'll, I'll pull out the bed. I'll make the bed. I'll put you. I'll put the laptop on there, and then we can fall asleep together. That sounds nice. That does sound nice, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. If anyone else wants to sit on Jordan's sofa bed, just go to... <laughs> <laughs> um, let's plug. Let's plug. So we've got our socials. Um, we are Careers Mayor pretty much everywhere. So we are Careers Mayor podcast on Instagram. We are at Careers Mayor on TikTok. We are Careers Mayor podcast on Twitter. And we are Charisma on Facebook. So go give us a follow. Go give us a like. We're going to be posting a lot of good stuff on there. Also, don't forget to like this podcast on the platform that you're listening on. Um, give us a review as well. That'd be nice. Some honest feedback. We're very new to this. Um, so we'd like to know how we can improve. Although I don't think we could improve personally. Um, I think it's perfect, but other people might feel differently. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Jordan, but I only want you to give us a review if it's five stars. So don't bother if it's not. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want it to be like honest feedback in the sense of you telling us, giving us helpful kind of advice about where we're going wrong. Yeah. I mean, I was under the assumption, I was under the assumption that people would only be giving us five stars. So, and the honest feedback would be, Oh my god, I love them. They're so funny. They're so charismatic. Mm. Um, I wish that they did a podcast every second of every day that I could listen to. Um, that's yeah, that's what I assume people are going to be saying. Yeah, and also um, you said uh, we're on Twitter, we're or X, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on Facebook, and I believe I'm right in saying that we're also on MySpace. Um, where our tag is, I think, House of Fraser. Yes, yeah. We went for yeah. something a bit different there. <laughs> yeah, and we are, um, we're also Woolworths on Bebo. Yeah. Uh, we're bringing it back. So watch this space. Yeah, and on SoundCloud, we are Barbie Movie Official. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, all of this has actually been written by Greta Gerwig. Um, and you're going to be here in our next episode, which is with Margot Robbie. Yeah. Um, which, funnily enough, was actually easier to get on than Harry. Yeah, she was actually. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of Margot Robbie, if you liked the theme tune, go and look up Robbie George on Instagram. He's a very good composer. And if you want to get him to make you some music, then get in touch with him on Instagram and ask him nicely. Cross his palm with silver. <laughs> And then maybe you'll do something. Oh, and also uh, a bit of a shameless plug here. I um, I do a bit of comedy, do a bit of improv on the side. If you do want to check out anything that I'm doing or that the group I'm in is doing, we are called the Dinner Daddies. It's Dinner Daddies everywhere on socials or Daddy's Dinner on Twitter. Um, so go check that out as well. We've got plenty of shows coming up. And um, check out Harry as well. Next time he's in the gym, because that man puts in work and he's got a big deadlift. What's his deadlift? Uh, it's 1,600,000 atoms. <laughs> <laughs>
How much would that weigh? How much is? If I'm actually anywhere near what his deadlift is, that would be insane. Atoms. So that would be about two point five times ten to the minus twenty one kilograms. So about a what would that be? That would be about a billion 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 millionth of a kilogram yeah he is really weak yeah <laughs> but he's he's improving every day good luck to you harry i hope that your fact that you're riddled with <laughs> nuclear energy helps you to increase your your strength <laughs> and bon voyage bye bye